message. Uh, how many people in the room, by a show of hands, uh, made a New Year's resolution? Anybody make a New Year's resolution? It's okay. Re- resolutions get bad reps. I, I made a couple of New Year's resolutions. Resolutions are okay. Um, but if you haven't been to main service, uh, Pastor Travis talks about this a little bit, and I'm going to talk about it too. New Year's resolutions are kind of funny things, Okay. Millions of people all over the world make some New Year's resolutions, and we're going to talk about the top few right now. Uh, most of you guys probably know them. Here's the number one, number one above all um, New Year's resolutions people make, and a bunch of people made it in 2013. Does anyone want to guess what it is? Yes, okay, that kind of, yeah. I want to eat healthier slash live healthier slash work out, right? Lose weight. That's like the number one. Maybe some of you are in the rooms and are like, yeah, man, that's me. Like every year, I've told you guys, I have one resolution that's standing every single year. It's one, two things. It is get buff, okay? I'm working on it. Number two is eat more In-N-Out Burger than I've ever eaten, okay? Every year, that, those are my resolutions. I want to get buffer. Next year, I want to be like busting out of the shirt, be like, what's up? Not really. Um, and then I want to eat more In-N-Out Burger because it's the best thing ever. And so you, you always want to try to eat In-N-Out Burger more and more each year. That's the goal of life. But a lot of people say the opposite. I want to eat healthier. I want to diet. I want to lose weight. Maybe that's you tonight. I don't know. Uh, another one is uh, what Travis mentioned this one this morning is people want, you probably don't deal with this as much, but I want to have more of a balance between work and family. Maybe you do that. Maybe your family does that. I don't know. So this is one we all like. One, volunteer for something that is a worthy cause. Has anyone, did anyone run a race this year that was for some, some uh, organization? Nobody ran a race. Okay? I know some people were in like the Santa run. Okay? That's, a, that's what I'm talking about. Okay? Or like, you know, the Susan B. Cohen 5K or whatever. Okay? Maybe to, you're saying, I want to run more races for organizations or I want to volunteer more somewhere. Maybe that's you. Uh, this is a good one for all of us to go by. I want to spend less money and save more money. How many people just don't have any money? Raise your hand. Okay, sweet. You're like, yeah, that's me. Uh, spend less money. People say this year, as I look back at 2012, I want to 2013 spend less money and save more money. Here's another one that I thought was interesting. And if, if this is you, uh, resolve to do this. This is a good thing to do. A big one for people in the United States of America is quit smoking. Okay, maybe that's you. That's cool. Hey, resolve to quit. Okay, this year is your year. You got this. Quit smoking. And here's my favorite, I think. Uh, it's the most uh, touching to our hearts People resolve, this is like number six, okay, which is kind of lame. But number six is people want to fall in love. Can we all just do a collective? Oh, there we go. They say, you know, I want my life to be a Nicholas Sparks movie. That's my goal in 2013 is Channing Tatum walks through the door. Like, right? That's, that's my goal. No, that's bad. That's a bad goal. But maybe that's your resolution. I have no idea. But here's what we're doing as a church. Our whole church is doing this in the month of January 2013. We are saying, that's fine, you want to make some New Year's resolutions. But what we want our church to wake up to is that 2013 could be the year or this month in January could be the month where you get more of God in your life than you ever have. How we're saying at Main Service is that God would open your eyes to see the things that really matter. Because here's the truth tonight. We could look at all these New Year's resolutions, whether you want to quit smoking, you want to spend less money, spend more time with your family, eat more In-N-Out Burger, or your life be a Nicholas Sparks movie, whatever, your, whatever you would say, yeah, that's me, or that's me, or maybe you did make some resolutions, and like I said, I did, that's cool. But what we want to see for students, for kids, for adults, is at the top of that list in 2013. As a church, we want to say, man, people in 2013 would grow closer in their relationship with God. Above losing weight, above 
getting more, uh, you know, more organized in your finances, above quitting smoking or falling in love, we would say, hey, we want you and me and everyone in our church to know Jesus more by the end of this year. Specifically, we want them to start that process in the month of January. And so in, in students, we're calling this series Alive. That's how we're saying it for students is we want students to wake up to be more alive this month and this year than ever before. And so as we started this, I thought to myself, and by the way, if you ever just want to have fun, and I say this all the time, I should be a spokesperson for Google because I, I love Google and I always have ADD on Google, okay? This month I, or this week, I thought, I wonder what Google has to say about this. Let's see what Google's sermon would be on this topic. And so I typed Google. I said, Google, what gives life? Enter. And it's crazy. Like you see some crazy things. But one of the things, most of the things, as I clicked on the links and saw all the things, I always kept coming back to this one thing. And I'm not trying to be the, make this science class, but you guys will recognize what I'm about to put on the screen in just a minute. Uh, that everything in, that, that Google says, all the science say, this is what life comes from. It all starts with things that are on this. Put that on the screen. You, you guys know what that is? Yes. You guys are like, oh, God, I had to memorize that. Or I had to, you know, depending on what science you're in, you're now starting to compound those bad boys, or you're just naming them if you're in junior high. I don't know where you're at on that whole thing. But as I searched Google and asked Google, where does life come from, Google? Now they're like, you're like thinking about your homework you have to do for tomorrow. Because school starts tomorrow, people. I know that's just like, I know. There's a few of you guys that it doesn't. Okay, private school kids, whatever. Anyways, I looked at Google, and here's what Google said. Google said, at the end of the day, and all the links I clicked on Google, you can pretty much get life from everything on this chart. You compound them, you put them together, you add twos and threes and all this other stuff that a lot of us don't really know, especially when you get out of high school. I don't have a clue about that stuff anymore, but I did because I had to get an A or B or whatever I got. And so that is what Google says. If you take those little things, that's pretty much what makes up us. That's what gives life, says Google, and says millions of people all over the world. That's what Google would say is the reason you can look at me right now and hear what I'm saying, and then your eyes can also tell your brain that what I'm saying matches what my lips are saying, and everything comes down to one of those things or multiple things on that chart that make life. But I'm not satisfied with that. I was pretty bummed out, to be honest with you. I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm thinking, gosh, that doesn't sound very epic at all. Like, it's just this colorful, and that's the best one I found. I was like, it's got to at least be fun there. Like, you know, like, because that's not what I saw in my book. I don't know about you guys in your books, but that wasn't it. It was ugly. That's at least pretty-ish. And so, anyways, I, I thought, that I'm not satisfied with that at all. Like, that means that basically I'm just made up of a bunch of stuff thrown together, and it's just kind of this organized mess. And I thought, well, dang, if, if I'm made up of just a bunch of elements put together, then that means animals are made up of a bunch of stuff put together. And this is kind of my ADD going crazy. I'm just going to share it with you, okay? Maybe you're a cat person. I apologize for the next, like, two minutes, okay? But I thought in my head, I thought in my head, that means I'm made up of the same stuff, elements, all this stuff that cats are made up of, okay? That just makes you want to barf, you know what I mean? Like, that is bad, okay? Maybe you are, that's a good thing for you. You're, like, thinking, I can't wait to hold Fluffy and say we're like the same person, let me give you a, an animal that I think we can all agree we don't want to be like. A duck-billed platypus. Has anyone ever seen one of those things? 
Did you guys know they're poisonous? I had no idea. I thought they were cute. you like, you know, like those, like, because isn't that one guy, the, uh, Perry, isn't he a duck platypus? You guys know what I'm talking about, you iPhone users? Perry, right? That dude's poisonous. I don't want him touching my water. He's poisonous. Oh, you only gamer iPhoneers got that, okay? Whatever. Anyways, I thought, man, I'm not satisfied in my life and existence all being kind of equal. I know it's not the same. Duck platypi or however you say it. They lay eggs. I don't lay eggs. I don't know how it all works. But at the end of the day, I'm a mammal. They're a mammal. And it says we are made up of a bunch of parts like this put together. And I'm like, dude, I'm not satisfied with that at all. But that's really what people say. They, they, they say, at the end of the day, you can boil everything down. I could put it on a table here in Petri dishes. I could show you what gives you life. But what we want to try to do in this next month is we want to try to say, no, there's something else. Or in this case, someone else that actually gives real, true life. Because the Bible says this, and here's why we believe the Bible is, is I, I, I dare you to study it. I dare you to try to prove it wrong. People have done that for thousands of years. Nobody can. Everyone can only see that this thing is tried, tested, and true. And so when we say, hey, look in the Bible, we're not just saying like, hey, you know, my friend Jim said. It's like legit. We can rely on it. So here's what the Bible says, and this is kind of the crux of our entire series is based out of a, a, a verse in Colossians. The Bible says that you and I are all born without life. Of course, I mean, we're like breathing. We, we're like crying when we come out. You know, we're, we're, we have life, but there's, there's another layer of life that we're talking about here. And it says that we're born spiritually dead. Check it out in the verse. And, and I think it's a fill in your blank on your sheet. This is what the next month is we're going to talk about. Here's what it says in Colossians chapter 2. When you were dead in your sins. All over the Bible, we hear that that's you and me when we're born in this world. I don't care what the periodic table says. You and I, spiritually, the one that actually matters in eternity, do not have life. And in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, basically, there's a, there's a gap between me and God and it has to do with my sin. God made you alive with Christ. So God did something that wasn't on the periodic table, that wasn't in the science book, that said now you can be alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that, that w- was against us, that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. So here's kind of the, the real thing about this series, Alive, is we're saying there is something else that we want to push you towards. Not a life like we want you to breathe and we want you to move and we want you to think right. We want you to be spiritually alive. Our church is pushing everybody in our fellowship towards, we want you to really start living the life you were made to live, starting in the month of January, pushing through all the way to 2013. We want you to open your eyes and start living alive. According to the Bible, here's the reality of every person in this room. It doesn't give you much of a gray area. In the Bible, it says that you are either a person who is spiritually dead, which is the first part of that verse. Go back to that uh, first slide. You were dead in your sins. That's a category of people, according to the Bible. There's people in the room and all over the world tonight that are dead in their sins, that there is this gap, this breakdown between them and God. They are spiritually dead. And then there's others of us in the room that you've given your heart and life to Jesus, and you're you're a Christian. You would say, man, I'm a Christ follower. 
I, I, I can tell you how it happened. I can tell you how God's changed my life. The Bible would say you have been made alive. You are spiritually alive. And so what we're wanting to do in this series, we're wanting to take these two people and say, okay, maybe some of you guys who are alive in Christ, you've started living a little bit like a dead person. You started living a little bit not alive. And we want to say in 2013, in January, we want to say, hey, wake up to the truth of God in your life that you were dead and now you live. Start living like that. Stop going back to the grave, in a sense, and trying to be a dead person. And I hope you guys know I'm talking spiritually speaking. Just like for the rest of the talk, I'm talking spiritually speaking when I say alive or dead. Because nobody's dead in this room right now. If so, okay? And everyone's alive, okay? I'm saying spiritually speaking, there's some of you that have been made alive in Christ, but you don't act like it. In 2013, and specifically in this Alive series, we're saying, hey, stop living like you haven't been given life. And there's other of you in this room that are not alive. You have not given your heart and life to Jesus, and you are spiritually dead, the Bible says. In this series, we want to say, hey, you don't have to conjure up anything. You don't have to figure out how to make yourself good enough. Jesus said, I have made you alive in me because I nailed all the stuff you've done wrong, all the stuff you will do wrong. I nailed it to the cross. Is what Colossians 2 says. So stop running and just say yes, and I want to make you alive. Right now you're dead, and I want you to cross over to life. Very simple in this series. We want people to start living alive. Whether they are alive and don't live like it or they're dead, we want to say there's life in Jesus. And that's way better and way bigger than any periodic table or anything that you could ever chase in this world. So give me a thumbs up before we're all cool with that. We're going to jump in. Okay, thumbs up. Okay, you guys good? If you have your Bible, open up to John chapter 11. We're going to talk about one story tonight, and then we're going to be done. We're going to worship a little more. But as you open up to John chapter 11, here is, and I hope you have your Bible. If you don't have your Bible, there's a lot of ways you can get it. Download an app on your phone. Actually bring, like, the old school, like, printed Bible. I know that's crazy, but you can bring that here to Refuge, and we're going to be in it every single week. Um, But in John chapter 11, there's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and we've talked about it at Refuge, and you've probably heard it before if you've been around church world. It's the story of a guy named Lazarus. Let me give you a little background on Lazarus. Lazarus is a, a friend of Jesus. Him and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, are actually really good friends of Jesus. They hang out a lot. There's a lot of stories of them in the Gospels, which is where Jesus kind of lives his life, and we get to read about it. And so Mary, Lazarus, and, uh, and Mary, Lazarus, and Martha are all friends of Jesus, and all of a sudden, Lazarus dies, like physically dies. Like he doesn't breathe anymore. His heart stops beating. He dies. And Mary and Martha freak out because Jesus wasn't there. That's kind of how the beginning of John chapter 11 starts. And so Jesus starts kind of making his way over to where the, the, the body is laid in the tomb. Like, he's been buried. He's been dead a few days. Like this is kind of an old story type thing. And Mary and Martha run to Jesus. And they start kind of getting after him. Like, God, if you just would have been here, Jesus. Like, where were you? We hang out all the time. If you just would have been here, Maybe my brother Lazarus would not be dead right now. And so for us, the application that I want you to try to make is, I don't know how that lands on you in your life, but I was willing to bet at some point as a 7th through 12th grader, there's been a time in your life where you think, God, where are you? Whether it's right now, maybe you're like, man, you don't even know what's going on in my family. You don't know what's going on in my school. You don't know what's going on in my heart because, man, I, I look in the mirror and I hate myself or whatever it might be in your world. There might be a time in my life and your life where we go, man, God, where are you right now? 
Like Mary and Martha run to Jesus as he's on his way to Bethany where, where Lazarus is buried. They say, well, if you just would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Where were you, Jesus? And into their lives and into our life, if we're asking those same type questions of God right now, or we have, or maybe we will next week, next month, sometime in 2013, we're going to put our hands up and say, God, where are you? I hear about you. I hear you're good. I hear you're holy. I hear you're mighty. I don't see that happening right now. Because Mary and Martha didn't see it when their brother took their last breath. Where are you? And Jesus, like he always does, says something that's not really an answer to the question. It's more of like an overall, like, what kind of thing in John chapter 11, verse 25. And I want to I talk about that just for a few minutes tonight. He says this to her. He said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. You gotta, he, Martha or Mary didn't say, Where, who are you? Who are you? Because his answer would make sense. I'm the resurrection and the life. She said, no, where were you, God? Where were you, Jesus, when my brother died? And his answer to her is, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He said, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Jesus says a definitive statement that I think rings true in 2012, 2013, and 2023. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. It doesn't matter what you and I chase in 2013. If we want to get healthier, eat more in-and-out burger, fall in love, we want to get our stuff organized, we want to get better at school, we want to make more money if we're getting to the age where we're starting to make money. Whatever you push yourself towards in 2013 or with your life in general, you say, man, I want to fall in love, I want to get a better reputation, I want to go to this college, I want to do this. Over all of that in this, in this story, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm over all that. So we can plan and we can purpose to do better in certain areas in 2013, but every person in this room is either spiritually dead or spiritually alive. And Jesus comes into that scene and he says, I am the life. You're not going to find it anywhere else. Everything comes to me and everything you go, everything you try to find outside of that, you're going to run into a dead end. And I hope you come back to me sooner than later. I have a three-year-old son. A lot of you guys know that. His name's Bryce. Uh, he's a maniac. Uh, he's a, a cute maniac, but he's a maniac nonetheless. And uh, now he's to the age where he starts, he, he starts playing make-believe. Okay, do you guys know what I'm talking about when I say make-believe? Uh, here's what he did, did the other day, and I was just kind of watching him thinking, what is happening in this kid's brain right now? He had two cars, and he was on the cabinet, which mom was not happy about. I, I was letting it happen. Don't ever do that, guys. And uh, mom said, what are you doing? It's going to scratch the cabinet. And I'm like, oh, I thought it was like his racetrack. That's what he thought too. And so he takes his cupboards, and he's, and he's just like racing these cars on the cupboards. But he's not speaking English. Like he's saying something I have no He He kind of speaks English. He speaks English-ish, okay? And, and, but all of a sudden, he's like, and I'm just kind of watching him, and I'm thinking, what's going on in Bryce's head right now? Like this is... Lightning McQueen is like racing for the Piston Cup of Piston Cups in Bryce's brain. He's like sitting there buck naked going, and he's just racing his cars. And I thought, man, this kid's in his own world. He is playing make-believe right now. For me, I don't know if it's for you, but for me, when I played make-believe, I grew up playing sports. I loved being 
every member of the Dallas Cowboys. Like, here's what I mean. I took the snap, meaning the quarterback, from Scott Worthington. But then Scott Worthington was the quarterback, you know what I mean? And then Scott Worthington draws back to pass, and he throws it, and Scott Worthington's running down the field, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, no, it's Super Bowl, whatever, whatever Super Bowl you want it to be. And it's like fourth quarter. There's three seconds left. A touchdown wins the game. And it's all of a sudden like, ah, ah. Scott Worthington goes back. Ah. Scott Worthington's wide open down the field. Scott Worthington's about to make a diamond catch. Ah. Touchdown, Scott Worthington wins the whole Super Bowl. And I'm like running around the house, and I'm like 15. Is that weird? Is that, is that super weird? You think I'm joking? I really played make-believe for a long time. I really did. But here's why I say that, okay? This has a point. This has a point tonight. Is I believe people all over our lives, and maybe even us tonight, we might not play make-believe with cars on cabinets. We might not play make-believe like, you know, Scott Worthington wins the Super Bowl kind of make-believe. But we keep playing make-believe with our lives into our 30s and our 40s and our 50s until the day we die, except it just looks cool. Like, it doesn't look as, 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 as hokey as Scott playing, you know, football with, you know, a grandstand of audience that doesn't exist. But we play make-believe, and the way we say we live our lives, it just looks a little more incognito. It's just a little bit more masked than Scott or Bryce playing make-believe. Here's what I mean. We portray ourselves to be something that we're not. The 45-year-old guy who's going through a midlife crisis who goes and buys that crazy car he can't afford just so he can stroll, stroll down the street with, you know, a convertible top. He thinks, if I just show people and make believe that I am a successful businessman, people will think that. The lady who goes and she just buys the most expensive outfit, purse, shoes, earrings, and she's got all decked out because she's in make-believe world. If I just show people how much money I make, then people will think I'm a certain way, and it'll kind of elevate me in their lives. Maybe some of you think, man, if I could just date that girl, or if I could just be around those people, or sit at that lunch table, or be invited to that party. And so we start make-believing in our lives to get to a certain spot, where people think, man, this person belongs here, but it's really make-believe. We go home at night, or we sit on that Facebook page, and we know we shouldn't have just put that on there, or we know we shouldn't really be texting or talking to this person, but we are make-believing because we believe if we get ourselves to a certain place in life, it's where we want to be. And I believe every person in this room tonight leans one of two ways. You either play dead you play alive. Some of you in this room, as I talked about earlier, you've given your heart and life to Jesus, man. You're a Christian. If I told you, man, tell me what, you, what you're about, you would say, oh, you're, you know, you're a pastor. I'm, I'm, man, I'm a Jesus follower. And you know the songs at Refuge. You can't wait for camp. Every once in a while, you Instagram a picture of your quiet time. But most of the, your life is you playing make-believe like you're not a Christian. You put on a certain act to show people, oh, man, I, I'm not too different than you. I'm, I, I can be a part of this scene, or I can do this. And, and really, it's, it's, it's just like Bryce, and it's just like me. It's make-believe. Because that's not really who you are. Jesus said, I've made you alive with Christ. So anything other than that, we're playing make-believe with somebody we're not. Some of you tonight, you play alive. You think, if I could just show people that I'm like super spiritual, number one Christian right here, then 
they'll think I'm a certain status or they'll kind of elevate me in Christian world. Man, if I'm the one that lifts my hands highest or if I'm the one that is the one that always has the God answer or if I'm the one that's always trying to show people from, from a fleshly point of view that I'm godly, then they'll think something really cool about me. Or some of you guys are like, man, I'll get more girls that way. Or some of you guys are like, man, I'll be, I'll be more popular that way because I'm the good kid. We don't talk about that one a lot because most of us lean the other way. Some of us lean that way. Some of us lean to the place where we want to really outwardly try to show people we're a different person than we really are. And maybe even God hasn't even made us alive because we just show it all the time. We, we act it, but we've actually never lived it. So what I want to do before we close here is I want to give you one statement, three words. And each week of this series, we're going to try to give you some characteristics of what alive things what are, what are some characteristics as you look at your life, and, and would you say, yes, that's true of me, that's true of me, and that's true of me, awesome, and I'm living alive. I'm living with my eyes open, awakening to what God has for me. That's what we want to try to do in this series. So it's three words, and I believe this in my whole heart from the Bible. It says this, alive things grow. Alive things grow. We know this to be true, right? I have two little humans living in my house. And they are bigger, a lot bigger than they were when I first met them. Like, I never realized how big Avery is, but I just saw a newborn that's like two weeks old today. And, like, Avery's a beast, okay? She's huge. And I thought, man, I never see her like that. But she's alive, and she's eating a ton. She's like a human garbage. She's going, ah, more, 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 ah, ah, okay? And she eats and eats and eats, and she's growing. Alive things grow. I have a bunch of weeds in my backyard, like a bunch. Like, my grass is really all weeds. It's just a mass of grass. And it grows, and I, I mow it down, and it keeps growing. It keeps growing, it keeps growing. That's how it works. It's horrible. Alive things grow, because those weeds, even though I try to kill them a million times with Roundup, they keep coming up. They're alive, and they're growing. When I was a teenager, I had a thing that's pretty gross, I'm just being honest with you, called ringworm. You guys have ringworm? No? <laughs> like, yeah, I have ringworm. Yes. I had ringworm. No joke. It was right here. And it grew. Like it was like a little ring and it just continues to grow. And you're like, dude, I'm going to die. They're going to cut my arm off. Maybe you don't have ring, maybe you've never had ringworm, but there's a, another type of worm that can get inside of you that's like super gross. It's called a tapeworm. I did some study on tapeworms. You know, this is what we do. Okay, it's awesome. I did some study because a lot of things grow. Do you know that tapeworms, there's 20 million people in the world with a tapeworm today? Okay. Tapeworms are these little worms that basically feed off of your body. They grow when you feed it. They could grow eight inches a day, okay? Gross. The longest one they've ever, like, got out of somebody was 40 feet long, okay? 40 feet long. They're just, like, pulling this tapeworm out, okay? It's alive because it grows. It continues to grow. When alive things stop growing, they're not alive. They're dead. You might see in the Bible, the Bible talks about bearing fruit. What is that? Bearing fruit is what happens when alive things grow. It keeps growing, and out of that growth comes fruit. The weeds in my backyard, why, I mow them down to nothing, or sometimes I even pick them. Why do they keep growing? Because down in the dirt are all these roots that kind of span all over my backyard, and even though I think that I got it, it's still alive down there, and it continues to grow. And that's what we want to try to push you towards in this series, right before I invite the band up, is this. 
We want alive things to grow. And if you're alive in this place today, if you have been made alive with Christ, we're saying, are you growing? Like spiritually, in your relationship with God, are you growing? Because here's what we believe. As you grow, your roots will get further and further and further down into Christ. And they will start popping up fruit in your school. And they'll start popping up fruit in your family and popping up fruit on your team. And all of a sudden, people start going, whoa, there's something happening here. Like, something is happening with Alec. I, I see it. I see it. it. There's something going on. What it is, it's fruit. Because alive things are growing. And as Alec grows, alive things start producing fruit. And people start to see it. Are you growing? If we don't change something in our brains and in our relationship with God, we start talking about 2014, and in January of 2014, you sit up here and you come to refuge. If you're not a senior this year, and you come back, here's what you're going to do. Man, what happened? I didn't grow closer to Jesus because you have to make a conscious effort to say, God, I want to sit down, and I want to pour over your word because that's the way you speak to me, and I want to pour my life at you, and I want to cast my cares upon you because the Bible says he cares for me, and I want you to grow me, God, because I want your spirit to get in my life and get in my business, and I want you to start doing work in my life. And fruit's going to start popping up all over invite the band to go ahead and come up. And as they do, I want to give you another kind of statement. Here's, here's what I believe we see biblically as alive things grow. Here's what I believe we see biblically. Is as a believer in Jesus, you are either growing spiritually or being disobedient to God. Here's what we find ourselves sometimes. We're like in that middle. We're like, I'm just going to kind of do me. You know, I'm just going to kind of live my life. Man, I got basketball to do, and I got my girlfriend, and I got, you know, I got, you know, my sports or my academics. And, and I know, man, God calls me to grow, and I know he wants to, like, use me in my friends' lives and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just kind of a little, I'm just going to do me right now. There's no, there's none of that in the Bible. Like, none. You are either growing in your relationship with God. I am either growing in my relationship with God. Ben, the band, we are either going forward in our relationship with Jesus by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, growing closer and closer to Jesus. I'm just going to go forward with God. The Bible continues to challenge us. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish things. What is that? That's growth. Bryce playing cars on the cabinet when he's 20 is not going to be as cute as when it was when he was 3. Why? Because he put away childish things. Are you growing in your relationship with God? As we look to a new year and we make resolutions and we see all that we have planned for 2013, here's what we want at the top of your list. Grow closer in your relationship with Jesus. Pray, God, open my eyes. And I want to live alive. I want to live a life that says, Jesus gave me life. I'm ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to pray over us. And as I do, here's what you need to know. I know people in this room. I know there's people in this room that don't have a relationship with Jesus. You are what the Bible calls, as we said earlier, spiritually dead. You don't have to be. Jesus says, come to me, all who are thirsty. Come to me, all who are heavy burdened. Meaning, stop carrying the junk in your life. 
Jesus made a way. He has made us alive in Christ. Jesus says, come to me, surrender your life to me, and I'll make you new. I'll make you alive. I'll cross you over from death to life. I'll start putting roots down in your life, and you'll see a completely different impact all over you. I don't want you to leave this place tonight if you are in that position without at least talking to somebody. Maybe you don't want to talk to somebody right now in your connection card. You'll see on your seat somewhere around you, there's a box that says, I want to talk to somebody about a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've got a million questions. I had a million questions. We want to answer those questions because there shouldn't be a lot of barriers between you and receiving life. All it takes is you checking that box or grabbing me and one of your leaders and saying, hey, i got questions about this relationship. For the rest of us, right now is a chance for you and I to respond. To lift up the name of Jesus. And before we run out in the world and run to school tomorrow and start living alive, start living like we have life, man. Let's lift up the resurrection and the life. Let's sing to God like we mean it. Let's sing to God like he brought us back to 